For this day and we thank you for those that have taken time out of their schedule to come and worship with us those that have taken time to lift up holy hands and to magnify your name we thank you for the songs that have been sung the prayers that have been prayed and now as we get ready to look into your word we ask that it will fall upon the good soil of our hearts and that you will be glorified thereby we thank you and we honor you for it for the opportunity god to come together and to bless your name and we bless you for it all. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, here it is. Brand new year. And a brand new opportunity for us to bless the name of God. That we can celebrate what he came to do. It's a chance for us to reflect upon his mission. Because you remember, we've been talking about one team with one mission and one vision and one voice. And we get the chance to see the perfect example of that half, having have happened. And so today, um, I want to just take a, take a couple moments, maybe about three hours today, and uh, talk to you about where this takes us where this allows us to end up because of the day that we're celebrating which is called resurrection sunday called easter sunday and it's also tied in with the passover of the jewish traditions and so as i was going throughout this week and i was thinking about how we were going to approach this today i looked at something and thought about something else and then it finally came to me that I want us to really understand what Jesus did I want us to walk away today knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is the son of God for those of us that have gone to church services over the years especially at this time we have heard about he was crucified and that he was buried and that he was in the grave. He lived in a borrowed tomb and the third day he got up and he got up with all power in his hand. And as we saw on the video today that when he got up, he met with other folks to let them know that this has happened. Everything that was said, everything that the prophets had talked about has come to pass. And so the, the title that I came up with for today is Hindsight is 2020. Have y'all heard that? Y'all have even said it yourself. Hindsight is 2020, which means when we look back on it, it seems so clear. It seems so wild. I wish I would have thought of that sooner, but we all we have come now to understand that hindsight is 2020. We can clearly see once we reflect. 
And so the two definitions I want to hit you with today is the first one is retrospect. Retrospect is when we simply look back at the past and see how things have happened and just kind of say, yep, that's what happened. Hindsight is a perspective on the past on which understanding has been gained, which was uh, which was unavailable to the observer in the time of question. I want you to keep those in mind. Retrospect and hindsight. We're going to use as our backdrop Luke the 24th chapter starting at that 13th verse. And it's going to be a lengthy read today. And then I'm going to go ahead and knock out some points. And then we're going to pray. But Luke, the 24th chapter, starting at that 13th verse, the Bible says this in the English Standard Version. It says, that very day, talking about the day that Jesus rose, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood looking sad. Then one of them named Cleophas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village which they were going. He acted as if he was going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So they went, so he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while we were while he talked to us on the road, 
while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathering together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Lord blessed the reading of his word. The resurrection of Jesus only made sense to the disciples in reverse. When he explained it to them at the Last Supper, they didn't get it. But after that occurred, and as he was explaining it to them as they were walking down the highway, hindsight became 2020. And one of the ways in, uh, that is illustrated in the film industry, it is called setups and payoffs. And in this process, the writer casually mentions something in the beginning of the movie or throughout the movie, but it only makes sense at the end of the movie. Let me do a quick illustration of that. There's a movie, I don't know if y'all saw this, but there was a movie that was called Sixth Sense. Y'all remember that movie? And that movie was very interesting because if you saw the movie and you watched the movie, you didn't understand the movie until what? The end of the movie. If you remember, it was about this child psychologist who actually had his office in his home and one of his patients came to visit him and shot him in the stomach. And we go from there and we see the, the, the child psychologist interacting with this young boy. And the reason that he was interacting with this young boy is because the young boy was saying, I see dead people. And as we watch him go on and he has this scene on his wedding anniversary where he goes in and sits down with his wife at their favorite restaurant, but she don't talk to him. She's mad at him about something, probably because he's spending too much time with that little boy that sees dead people. And as you go along and he has all these various interactions, in the end, it is revealed to us that when he got shot, he died. And the dead people that the little boy was telling him that he was seeing was him. In the same reflection, in the same setup and payoff process, as they're walking down this road because the person that they thought was going to free them from the Roman rule, that was going to cause them to now no longer have to be under the pain, under the, the, uh, the oppression of the Romans, he was gone. Jesus was the man. Jesus, if we talk, remember if we talked about last Sunday, as he went into the city, everybody was praising him. Everybody was calling him. Everybody was celebrating him because he was the king that was coming to save them. Hosanna. God save us. Hosanna. 
And then throughout that week, the same that were praising him ended up causing him to be crucified. Because he was not what they thought. So because he was not what they thought, they did not believe that he could do what he said he could do. But what they did not understand, the, the kingdom that he was bringing was a kingdom that was an eternal kingdom. It was a kingdom that superseded any other kingdom that they would ever be a part of. And so as they were going down the highway and as they were going down the highway and having this conversation, Jesus was explaining to them how all this was falling into place. It says he went all the way back to the books of Moses, the first five books of the Old Testament, and explained how the prophets and everyone was talking about the Messiah who was coming. And then they still didn't get it. They didn't get it until it was time to eat. And when it was time to eat, and as he went through his process of blessing and breaking the bread, because of the way that he did it, they realized, wait a minute, this right here is Jesus. He is risen. The women wasn't crazy this morning. He has fulfilled everything that he said he would do. But I don't want us to allow our minds to get stopped on the fact that he has fulfilled everything that he was supposed to do. Because if we allow our mind to only focus on what he has done, we lose the power of he's still doing it today. Not only what did he have victory over death, hell and the grave then. He still has that same victory today. And because he still has that same victory today, whatever death, whatever hell, whatever grave, whatever situation is in our lives today, when we rest in Christ, guess what we have? We have victory just like he had victory. Y'all not hearing me? Because if we understand that when stuff comes against us, we don't shift to the left. We don't shift to the right. We stand firm in knowing who we are as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. But sometimes it seems like it appears that it's just greater than Jesus. Sometimes it feels like, it seems like it's stronger than Jesus. The situation, Jesus can't help me in this situation. It's just too great. It's just too overwhelming. But I'm here to tell you that just like they thought, they had lost him. Sometimes it appears that we're in it by ourselves. But if I can remind you of the story of the man that was walking on the beach. And as he looked back, he saw the two footprints and he realized that it was him and Jesus walking together and there came times where there was only one set of footprints and he realized that during that time that it was when he was going through his most devastating moments and he said lord why would you leave me 
during my most devastating times. And he said, my son, that was not the time I left you, but that was the time I carried you. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're going through it. We're not staying in it. We're walking through it. He says, I'm with you. My rod, my staff will comfort you. But now as we look back over it and we see how God has given us victory over situations when we thought there was no way, but he made a way. We thought that there was nothing that could be done and he caused things to happen. When we thought that we should give up and he provided us with hope. We can grab hold of that and we can use our hindsight in our present situation to say, guess what? If he did it before, he can do it again. If he did it for me before, he can do it again. And the enemy will start telling you, but you've done this, you've done this. But if he did it before, he can do it again. He's had victory before. He can have victory again. He can use me before. He can use me again. In all that we look at and all that we Think about, sometimes it's good to have the hindsight. Sometimes it's good for us to have the ability to look at what Jesus has done. And because he has done it, he empowers me now to continue on to represent him and to know he can do it again. That's one of the privileges of being a part of the kingdom of heaven. That he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He is with us even to the end of the world. He is there. And because he's there, he's with us. He gives us victory. When we slip and fall, he will pick us up. He will undergird us. He will even go as far as to carry us because we trust in him. He will go as far as to lift us up because we feel like we've lost all our strength. Because of what Jesus did, he not only proved the word of God is true. He not only proved that he was telling the truth. That's not what only he did. He provided an environment whereby we can now go before the very presence of God. Because sin had us separated, but because of what Jesus did, he provided us a conduit, a gateway that we could go before the very presence of God and that we can find hope, grace, peace, joy, mercy at our time of need. Isn't this something that not only did he have victory, but his victory provides victory for us. We talked about in our Bible study, we talked about that not only was salvation just for this moment, it's the, the word for salvation when it is used is a present perfect uh, tense, which means when it happened, 
it continues to happen. So when we first get saved, we are actually saved from the penalty from sin. Then as we live our lives according to Christ, living our lives according to the word of God, it starts removing the power of sin. I'm sorry, the first thing is penalty of sin. Then it's the power of sin. As we start having victory, that's why the Bible says that we go from faith to faith. We go from glory to glory because God is helping us to shape, to come unto the confirmation or conformity of the image of Jesus Christ in our lifestyle. So not only was this resurrection and I, and, and you know, I could, I was talking to my mentor last night and, and he was, and I was telling him that we were going to talk about this today. And he was like, you know, usually I just talk about this, this, the, the grave and I see where you're going. And I, because I was like, I don't want today to be where we talk about the tomb and how dark the tomb was. And I didn't want it to be like that. I want us to understand that because of what he did in the tomb. And what did he do? He ain't do nothing. He just laid there. He was obedient to the word. And then the father said, let me go ahead and activate this situation. And when God activated it, it caused a stone to roll away. It caused a man that was dead to be brought back to life and to have victory over death, hell, and the grave. And as we look at this, the fulfillment that Christ lived this life, and when he lived this life and became our sacrifice, as he lived this life and he became everything that God needed to fulfill his righteousness is what the Bible says. Because God couldn't look on us because we were sinners. And he needed someone to pay the price for the sin so there can be reconciliation. But there was no one available. Moses couldn't do it because Moses was too mean and hard-headed and angry. David couldn't do it because he kept cheating on his wives. You looked at all the prophets and they all had deficiencies. He could only send himself. And he sent himself in the form of man. And because he sent himself, it is just like you going to stand before the judge. And the judge says the penalty is death for what you've done. Then the judge gets down from off the bench, comes and stands in your place and says, kill me for this person. That is what God did for us. That is what he did. Then he says, because it's been paid, I now want you back in the family. And not only do I want you back in the family, I'm adopting you into the family so you have all the rights and privileges that you can receive as being a part of the family. Oh, my goodness. Being a kingdom person, a person that is of the kingdom, it gives us special privileges. Being adopted into the family of God gives us special access. Being a person of the kingdom makes us a representative of who God is. 
as I go ahead and shut this one down for today, I want to bring out the fact that if you take a moment and you look at all that you've gone through and you realize like the old folks used to tell us, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? Now, if you hold out, hang out with the really old folks, they'll tell you where you would have been. They said you would be like a ship without a sail. They said that you would be dashed up against the rocks because of the ways of life would just push you and destroy you. You would be utterly destroyed and utterly hopeless. But because you have the Lord on your side, you don't have destruction. You have victory. And I also want to point out as we end out is Luke, the 24th chapter is actually the last chapter in the book of Luke. But that's not how the story ends. It doesn't end with just Jesus disappearing. It then the, 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 uh, the writer Luke then starts writing a new book. It's called the Acts of the Apostles. We call it the Acts. And if you start reading the Acts, you start seeing the power of God starting to work in the lives of the people. And that's where we want to be. We want to be just like those that just realized how precious this is. And it took 12 guys to change an entire world. Because they grabbed hold of the victory of Jesus in their lives. As we close today, there's a video I wanted us to look at because society has told us today that it's really not rational for us to be Christians because there is no uh, really rational way that we can believe that this happened. And so I, when I ran into this video, it was actually for last year. But as I was listening to it, I said, this is still pertinent for this year. If you don't remember last year, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday was on April 1st, which is April Fool's Day. And so that's what you're going to hear him make reference to. But his point, I want you to catch his point. And then after his point, I got something else I want to talk to you about. And when I was an atheist and legal editor of the Chicago Tribune, I would have smirked at the fact that Easter this year falls on April Fool's Day. Because back then, I thought that anyone would have to be a fool to think that Jesus literally rose from the dead. One day, my wife gave me the news that she'd become a Christian. And so I decided to take my journalism training and legal training and debunk the resurrection of Jesus. So I spent two years of my life analyzing the historical data. And what I found really shocked me. I recounted in my book, The Case for Miracles. First of all, I found that there's no dispute among scholars that Jesus was dead after being crucified. Uh, the famous atheist New Testament scholar, Gerd Ludeman, says it's historically indisputable that he was dead. The Journal of the American Medical Association says that based on the historical and medical evidence, that Jesus was clearly dead even before the wound to his side was inflicted. 
Second, we have early reports of the resurrection of Jesus. Reports that come so quickly, you can't just write them off as being a legend. In fact, we have one report of the resurrection, including named eyewitnesses, that has been dated back by scholars to within months of the death of Jesus. Friends, that is historical gold. Third, we have the empty tomb. And I found that even the opponents of Jesus implicitly conceded that the tomb of Jesus was empty. And then fourth, we have nine ancient sources inside and outside the New Testament confirming and corroborating the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the resurrected Jesus. Friends, that is an avalanche of historical data. And then we have seven ancient sources inside and mostly outside the New Testament that confirm that the disciples lived lives of deprivation and suffering as a result of their proclamation that Jesus had risen. Why were they willing to do that? Because they heard a rumor that he'd risen? No, because they were there. They touched him. They ate with him. They talked with him. They knew the truth. And knowing the truth, they were willing to proclaim it, even despite the suffering they endured. Friends, I spent two years investigating this evidence. And it came down to one day when I reviewed it all and I thought, you know what? Based on the historical data, my verdict is that Jesus not only claimed to be the Son of God, he backed up that claim by returning from the dead. And that's the moment that I decided to confess my sin, to turn from that, to receive this free gift of forgiveness and eternal life that Jesus purchased for me on the cross. And at that moment, I became a child of God. Some people have a rush of emotion at that moment. I didn't. You know what I had? I had the rush of reason. Because the resurrection of Jesus is not some April Fool's Day joke. It is a historical reality based not on mythology or make-believe or wishful thinking, but a solid foundation of historical truth. Father, I just want to thank you for your word. And I thank you, God, that hindsight is 2020. As we can reflect over your word, that we can see clearly now all that you have done and all that you have purpose to do for us and father we just want to thank you now for loving us enough to send your son to take our place in what we were truly guilty of and because of that you have adopted us into your kingdom and made us ambassadors and representatives of you and father because of that we are most grateful we thank you, God, for this day of celebration of all that you've done for us and our desire, our hope. And God, everything that we do reflects you in us to everyone that we meet. We thank you and we honor you for it. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.